So series of interesting events. Uh, I was supposed to do an interview with a podcaster, like a coach based in New York. Uh, just turns out I was supposed to, I, he thought I was the, a time management guru. <laughs> Funny being ADHD time management. <laughs> but, um, so my dad offered to come up to the plate. We did, we went awesome. We went into Lord of the Rings, ham radio, some of his theater stuff. So this is just a test. Let's see what you guys feedback. So hit me up on Twitter if you want me to get him on more often. Uh, the handle is J-R-B-O-L-T-O-N under dash or J-R Bolton under dash. And yeah, let's get some feedback going. Let's see what y'all want. Um, and of course, obvious share, review the podcast, buy the merch eventually when I have it and send it to your friends and be like, this is yours now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do it. Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. So today on the show, we're going to be interviewing actually my dad a very um, well-educated ham radio person, super Tolkien nerd, and uh, D&D nerd. Here he is, my old man himself. Good evening. My name is Bruce, and I'm being interviewed by, well, the one and only Josh Bolton of the Josh Bolton Show. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. So, uh, for Lord of the Rings, that's one of your biggest things being your son i know that um what is it that drew you into lord of the rings back in the day a long time ago back when i was in fifth grade uh, there was a young lady uh her name at the time was Kristen edwards at uh, sunkiss school in Kavina. uh she gave a book report on the hobbit and i noticed that in the libraries of uh my brother uh there were also Lord of the Rings books, uh, and uh, eventually I I started reading with uh, you know some of my friends in the neighborhood, and we really got into Lord of the Rings and even the Cimmerillion and and uh, and others, and, and I've been expanding my library for quite a number of years now. So for the number of years, you're still to date, right? Still, still to date. You're adding to your collection of Lord oh, of the Rings? Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, my gracious family bought me the History of Middle-Earth 3 volume set this uh, this Christmas, and uh, I'm very happy about that. That is all uh, chronologically uh, set as to where you can find information uh, regarding notes and things like that that Tolkien had written about different s- systems of things, like... Uh, the elves and how they their social systems were set up and um, the, the fall of Melkor and how it was the marring of Arda and things like that. Interesting. So you said the notes in history of the whole system. Can you go into it um, on the, the layers and details he's done? Um, layers and details? I have... Uh, I've read the books. 
I have not really uh, gone in depth, but I do really appreciate a, uh, a podcast that I've been listening to for at least three, three and a half years and support, and that's the Prancing Pony podcast. And uh, they have uh, a, a lot of information that they, they pull on, and it's just fascinating to, to listen to them They'll read a little bit, and then they'll talk about different themes in Tolkien, uh, and uh, it's very entertaining. So, for the entertaining, is it just their witty banter, or the actual going into the different topics? Um, the, the, the witty banter is, is a great draw of it, in that uh, uh, it's almost like you are sitting in the common room with the Prancing Pony, having a beer, and uh, enjoying just some guys talking, you know, maybe they're local Brelanders or, you know, the big folk, or, and we're just hobbits that are just sitting there listening to what they have to propound about the land outside. Interesting. All right. Um, so within the Tolkien series, what is your favorite chapter of the whole uh, just Lord of the Rings. We don't have to go Hobbit or Cimmerillions. Um Favorite chapter. Uh, there are six books in all of uh, all of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, it, it, it was erroneously published in three volumes. But uh, if I were to say one one particular chapter, um, uh. I would probably have to say um, the one that involved Rivendell. Um, the descriptions that Tolkien uh, uses, and he is a, a master at philology, which is uh, words. Uh, he would do an amazing job of making you feel like you were in this realm and uh, enjoying just being with high elves and and half elves and hobbits and wizards and men and it's just a great uh, plus it also had a lot of information <coughs> excuse me um, regarding the history of Middle Earth in in uh, the Council of Elrond which was uh, uh, which was probably the chapter I'm referring to. It Going to keep going. What other details are there? Um, as far as the uh, that Rivendell experience, um, Frodo didn't know that they had gotten there. He had uh, had fallen and was nearly dead at the uh, ford of the Bruin, and, uh, and he was brought by Glorfindel and the other members of the uh, of the company, uh, Merry and Pippin and Sam and Aragorn. Uh, to Rivendell, and I think the elves came to meet him uh, along the way. But then he uh, recovered uh, the the shard of the Morgul blade that was uh, deep within his chest was uh, somehow eliminated. Uh, whether it was light or it was extracted is is still a question that uh, um, scholars are trying to figure out. However. Um, he wakes up and, and Gandalf is there and now Gandalf had been gone for some time and so he got to talk with Gandalf and 
then meet his friends who were happy to see him up and around. And uh, he had borne that shard of the Morgul blade for 17 days, where it would have killed a normal man or even an elf in short order. But hobbits are made of sterner stuff and, uh, and are hardy little folk. Then he got to see someone that he hadn't uh, hadn't imagined he'd see. He saw Bilbo there, and then that night uh, uh, in the Hall of Fire, uh, he listened to the elven singing, which, since elves don't sleep, singing is a, a great recourse for them uh, that uh, they do in order to be able to entertain themselves. Uh, and he was falling asleep, and then he heard someone's voice uh, was Bilbo, who had the cheek to uh, make verses about uh, Elrond's father, Arendil, in the house of Elrond. So it was just a fun, uh, fun chapter altogether. So you were saying about um, Elrond, and uh, what is the the tongue in cheek with that? Um, why why would uh, Aragorn have told Bilbo that? Uh, if he had enough cheek to make verses about Elrond's father? Yes. Okay. Uh, Arendelle, uh, a normal mortal can actually see Arendelle uh, because uh, uh, through various things that happened in the First Age, Arendelle and Vinglot were converted into a star, a wandering star. Uh, and uh, basically what we see is the uh, the planet Venus is a Cimmeril that's in the sky, and uh, and it's the uh, it's on the set upon the uh, the starship the Vinglot with Arendelle as its uh, as its helmsman. Sorry, I was just turning up the volume. And uh, and so from Arendelle was Elros and Elrond. Uh, and uh, and Elros became the the father of all of the kings of men of Numenor and of uh, of Middle Earth, of which uh, about uh, approximately twenty six generations later, Aragorn was uh, was born. It might have been more than that. I could be talking off the cuff here, but but then there's Elrond, and he has a daughter uh, Arwen. And, uh, and Aragorn has the the, the cheek to uh, to fall in love with the half elven uh, master's uh, daughter as as just a king of men. So, for Aragorn's uh, king of men story, he he had to be in the forest, right? Or was it outcasting, or he chose to like leave? Well, once he fell in love with. Arwen, and the task was put on him that he had to unite both the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom under one crown. Um, it, it was almost like a, a, a you're going to uh, have to, to die in order for this to happen kind of thing. Not as bad as uh, Baron and Luthien in the first uh, first age, but uh, but it was pretty pretty bad because you know there was very very slim chance that he was going to um, defeat the ultimate evil of the time, Sauron of Mordor, and uh, and be able to have both Gondor and 
the North Kingdoms uh, to be able to be reunited. But through the long story, he was able to do that. And on Midsummer's Eve, in, uh, in the end of the Lord of the Rings, uh, Aragorn and Arwen are married. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah, so you talked on Baron and Luthien, Luthien earlier. Uh, what's the back history to that one? That's one of the three great tales of the First Age. Uh, the Baron and Luthien, a love story that uh, has uh, both um, tragedy and, uh, and romance. Uh, and then there's also um, the children of Hurin, which is Tolkien's uh, expression of uh, just a tragic story. There's not much in that that's, uh, that's uplifting whatsoever. And then there's the fall of Gondolin. And uh, I have all three of those books as well. I have yet to read them, but uh, those are the great tales. And then there's others, you know, where it just speaks of all of the... Um, the happenings from the creation of uh, of Arda, all the way through the first age, the second age, and uh, and the third age, which ends with uh, the uh, with Aragorn and Arwen uh, getting married uh, after the fall of uh, Baradur. So, and then the fourth age begins, the age of men. Awesome. So you touched on his tragic story earlier. How did that make you feel when you were reading it? The the one uh, the children of children of Horan? Yeah. Um, just out and out, it's just icky. It's flat <laughs> icky. Um, the worst part is Horan is watching his children through the eyes of Melkor, uh, Morgoth, Bauglir, the great enemy of the world, who mars Arda with his parts of singing of the um, the music of the Aenor, which created Arda and all of the rest of the universe. Um, and since he's only watching through the eyes of Melkor, uh, Morgoth, uh, it, it's just tragic the way things turn out, because there's, you know, there's a curse and there's just bad things. However, a dragon does die. It's, that's always good. Oh, that's always good, yes. Yeah, yeah gotta have a, you gotta slice have a dragon. open the belly of a dragon and, and have things happen that way. It's not a good story unless you got the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then continuing on. So let's uh, switch to your, your podcast you were mentioning with the Prancing Pony um, and their stuff. Uh, why do you follow them? kind of thing, like what's your your more emotional connection to them kind of thing? Um, mostly because they're they're explaining uh, things about uh, Lord of the Rings that I may not have ever known, being that I didn't read all of those books and and they're just, just witty, you know, they'll they'll sing about uh, uh, you know, eighty songs and you know, they'll they'll uh, uh, They'll, they'll just, odd little things that happen uh, that just make me uh, make me impressed. So I became a, a, a person that uh, contributed at the uh, 
the highest level on their Patreon uh, close to a year and a half or two years ago. And uh, they just, they're very entertaining. And, and I really appreciate the effort that they put into it and, uh, and, and whatnot. Well, it sounds like then they bring you a lot of joy and happiness in your life. Um, that's one of the aspects, yeah. That, that is a joy of, uh, of mine. Another joy, however, as we segue, is, okay. uh, <laughs> is ham radio. And I, I really appreciate ham radio. And I've uh, had my license now for uh, 10 years. A friend of mine in Oregon, uh, his name's Pat, uh, had told me in 2011 or 2010, oh, yeah, you don't have to do the Morse code anymore. Uh, all you have to do is take a test. And after 18 years of college, uh, I knew how to take a test. And, and I made lots of index cards, and uh, I, I think I got 100% on the test. Maybe missed one. But uh, since then, I've, you know, for eight and a half years or nine, I've been doing a, a, a weekly evening uh, net on Sunday evenings uh, down here in Southern California. And, uh, and so I, I've learned how to, uh, to talk and, and, uh, and banter with people uh, regarding... You know some of their comments and trying to keep people talking. So this doesn't seem very different to me to be able to to speak at a mic and uh, occasionally look at, at my son and and uh, my dog getting his uh, head scratched and it's just not not unusual at all. It's yeah, you've but you've always been a presenter, um, just knowing you because didn't you did theater too back in the day, right? Um, yes, I was Claudio in in a, uh, a college uh, rendition of Much Ado About Nothing at the Globe Theater in uh, West Hollywood. And I also played uh, um, another silly character, one of the rude mechanicals in uh, um, Midsummer Night's... No. Yeah, Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, I forget uh, which... Uh, which fellow I was. He played the lion in the uh, in the uh, play at the Theseus and Hippolytus uh, um, wedding. No, it wasn't Hippolytus. Anyway, Theseus, the Duke's wedding. Anyway. So um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, sorry for the segue with the theater. Um, so your ham radio, you, you're also in some clubs, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a couple of clubs in Southern California here, and I'm aware of uh, other clubs. I'm also a member of the uh, Amateur Radio Relay League, which is the national organization for uh, amateur radio. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, one, of the, one of my other joys is, uh, and frustrations is volunteering for just about everything. So I'm the president of one of the ham radio clubs. And... Uh, and I'm a member of the the other one, and so it, it it along with many other things just keeps me busy. Yeah, I, I can vouch. He, he at times over volunteers. There's a local parade um, where they use the ham radio to communicate and keep the parade going. And every year, other than this last year with the COVID, um, usually I have to be the one in the field helping out. Can you want to go into more of the parade? 
and how that works and what your role is as the essentially the network of the whole system? Um, I am the assistant chair of the parade control committee. So um, the reason that the amateur radio operators are, are uh, lined up and there are 25 stations is because uh, if something happens along the way that, the, uh, that needs to be made aware of in the command center of the police, then the ham radio operators can call into the net control and they can report it and monitoring the net control is one operator who's in the command center of the uh, the police mobile unit. So uh, the, the communication is very quick and my role is to get all of the uh, operators willing and able and on post for for their time slots uh, in order to uh, to have them be able to communicate uh, from their various positions, whether it's at uh, an announcer booth or with one of the parade uh, committee members or in the command center. Uh, I am just the one that uh, helps them get, get organized and in place. So, like, you're getting, helping them get organized and in place, that you are essentially the, the network. Uh, I, I would be the organizer. I would be the one that makes sure that all of the communications are are set and ready, uh, that everything is is uh, ready to go when when the whistle blows. So, when like you said, when the whistle blows, is it more um, like big events like? Uh, terrible terrorist events or is it more just like a car breaking down on the side of the road? Um, either of those have to be considered uh, you know um, and there's there's ways that, that each is, is to be dealt with not to be talked about here in public um, so uh, yes you know if a, a car breaks down on the uh, on the route then you know uh, a towing uh, company in the area is quickly notified by one of the uh, one of the members uh, who's standing right nearby the the emergency vehicles there, and and they go out and they they tow the the car off to a side street or out of out of the parade route. However, it works out. It, but it usually works out, though. Oh yeah, there's there's um, there's very few uh, things that go wrong. And, and the amazing thing about the parade is there's only been three times where it actually rained to the point where the parade had to be canceled. And I think this coming one will be the 70th annual uh, running of, of the Christmas parade. So 70, to- 70 years they've been running this whole parade. Uh-huh. Wow. It's way older than you and me combined. <laughs> uh, let me think. No, no, it's not. <laughs> Maps might not my let me, thing. <laughs> let me think. Yeah, we're we're over by uh, sixteen years, I think. Mm, oh, I've you know I still think you're like fifty something. So yeah, uh, I still think I'm fifteen, but <laughs> well, <laughs> and I am fifty something, but uh, but there are more digits past the fifty than there are. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't let Josh do math anymore. <laughs> Fired. Fired. Um, 
You know what? That's actually a good run. Let's call it there. Alrighty. Uh, I have really enjoyed being on the Josh Bolton show. And again, I'm Bruce Bolton. And uh, No relation. <laughs> no, no other than direct <laughs> relation. And I hope uh, your uh, your listeners have a great uh, great day and and I'll be listening uh, soon enough when, when it gets published. So thank you, Josh, for having me on. I hope to be back soon. Absolutely. Maybe we can talk about travel or something. <laughs> With a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, let's do it. All <laughs> All right. Farewell for now. Farewell, everyone. Bye. Hey, you made it to the end. Congratulations. A plus for attention. Um, so, yeah, this is, like I said, a test run. Let's see how this works. Your feedback. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, any questions, comments, critiques, or ideas, hit me up. Let's let's chat kind of thing. Uh, all right. Stay awesome. Have a good one.